Hello everyone and welcome to this latest edition of 101 George Street, the podcast from Mowbray, Scotland's National Centre for Children's Literature and Storytelling. My name is John Malloy and I ask you to join me as I explore the realms of creative learning, children's literature and storytelling. For my guest this week, I've invited none other than Katie Turner onto the show. Katie is the Creative Learning Manager for the Yorkshire-based Grimm & Co, the apocathy to the magical. She specialises in developing creative learning projects throughout the north of England and has been instrumental in developing the partnership between Grimm & Co and Mowbray. Let's crack on. Katie, what's your favourite children's story and why? This is um, quite a tricky one, isn't it? Racking my brain to when I was a child, looking back, um, I think it's got to be either Roald Dahl's Revolting Tales or Danny the Champion of the World. Um, Two of my absolute favourites. So Roald Dahl is, was, I'd say is one of my favourite writers. Um, And I love Revolting Tales because it flips everything on its head Mm. and all of the things that should never happen, happen. And I love, I love that. And that's something that I really carried on into my adulthood with me. Um, The other answer, Danny, the champion of the world, is for kind of the complete opposite reason, because it's such a heartwarming wonderful story of a boy and uh you know the person he looks up to most in the world who in this case is his dad um and it's just always really warmed my heart and the mischief that they get up to together but you know the fact that they come out of it stronger um that relationship I yeah I I absolutely love it I think that's fantastic, mainly because uh, Roald Dahl is my favourite children's uh, author. Uh, mine was The Twits. And the, the, the interesting thing about Roald Dahl, in fact, I say The Twits, but it's also The Witches. That's the problem with Roald Dahl. You can't choose a story. <laughs> you can't just settle because you go, all oh, right, okay, it's definitely Danny the Champion of the World. But then you think, actually, The Twits. Yeah, that was really good as well. And what about, uh, yeah, and that was, and what about, oh yeah. Can I just say Roald Dahl as my favourite children's story? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. The twist was a contender as well. And I was like, I don't think I can go in with three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not the first person to say uh, Roald Dahl or say a story from Roald Dahl. He's, the, his legacy um, has, has really lived on and the impact he's made on on anyone who's creative or works in creative education or children's literature or any kind of storytelling, for example, or theatre. Personally, whenever I've spoken to um, practitioners who work in the arts or culture sectors, whenever you say, okay, what were your favourite books when you were growing up? If you're of a certain age, (laughs) or this is not exclusively, but if you're of a certain age, it's always Roald Dahl. A little bit after (laughs) that, it's usually kind of Harry Potter, but Roald Dahl comes up all the time. Yeah, absolutely. He was um, an absolute star. Mm. Are you aware of the shed that he had? Oh, yes. Yeah, I am. Um, he's, he inspired a lot of writers to go down that route. There's a lot of writers who write from their shed. Yeah, I bet it's a really nice kind of space, which is just yours. You can 
you know, you can sit or stand and put everything on the wall that if you need your inspiration around you. I think also the that that rare quality of not being interrupted. Um, if you've got a shed, then you're by yourself with your imagination. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a beautiful and very rare thing. That is, that is true. That is true. Um, uh, we'll talk about Alan McClure a little bit later on, I'm sure. But Alan runs a um, a series on his YouTube channel called Tales from the Shed. And when he told me about it, I started Alan McClure being um, a writer from Dumfries and Galloway. When he told me about it, I just thought, what is it about sheds and writing and children's stories? It's like a reoccurring theme now. It's like a thing. <laughs> absolutely I want to say I don't think Virginia Woolf had a shed per se but I'm pretty sure she had her own writing obviously the famous essay room of one's own mm. but I I think she had probably an upmarket shed to write in as well yeah more of a gazebo kind of thing or <laughs> yeah. you know a, a, summer house. House. <laughs> a summer house yeah thank you a summer house a camellia house <laughs> It must be a thing about being away from your home. You need to get out of your domestic environment and yeah. and kind of put your work hat on a little bit and, yeah. and and crack on, which is obviously a little bit difficult at the moment because everyone's locked down. Uh, at the time of recording, we're, we're, would you say, near the end of January 2021? Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, a lot of people I know are, are struggling to create that kind of work-life balance, particularly if you're working in the arts or any kind of culture, because you, you want to be creative, but you've also got the fridge over there, and the cats are over there, <laughs> the kids are over there, you know. Exactly. The, the fridge is a big one, actually. Now, obviously, you work for Grimm & Co. as a creative learning manager, and um, I'm just curious about what does that involve? Grimm & Co. being obviously based in... Um, Sheffield and England and they're an incredibly creative place but what's it like being a creative learning manager for, for an organisation like Grim & Co? Um, it's, it's excellent, it's such a wonderful job so as a creative learning manager I guess my job falls into two main categories so the first category is designing and delivering creative writing projects which I don't mean to sound overly jammy but that's possibly one of the best jobs in the world because you literally you know you sit down with a group of creative people you get some paper out or you know you get the the whatever device whiteboard that you're using out nowadays in lockdown um, and you just let your imagination go wild and you think what could we do which is going to inspire the young people we work with to write something they have never written before or to push a piece of writing further so it's really really wonderful and then the other main kind of aspect of my job is that kind of being a manager and doing all of the administration logistics um reporting that comes with the creative side. I think one of the big secrets about the world of creativity is that it's actually a world of lots of admin as well, which you don't get taught about in university quite as much. Um, but, you know, I think that's really important that 
you have that balance and you can understand both sides of creative projects um, and all the work that really goes into making them as successful as possible. We're creative people and we just want to run, run and jump and, you know, create things and be all fun and happy and play games. But we, what we have to also do is channel that energy, that creativity and be organised with it. Because if you don't, then you're literally running and jumping and climbing trees and being creative with no end product. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. And that final product I think for some people, the final product's not particularly important. The, you know, the journey of how they get there is really important. Um, but at Grim & Co, we, we really value both. So we aim to make sure there is some kind of artistic output or product at the end of all of our projects. Um, you know, whether that is a book of poems or an animation or, a, you know, a play, um, or a magical travel guide, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, um, because we really like to celebrate the work that our young people do. And for us, we think that to have your work published is one of the best kind of celebrations of that work. And it's completely, you know, you take your hat off to that person when they're published, don't you? And let's not forget that some of the most successful authors in the past are all self-published. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter what name you're publishing under, but let's get it out there for everybody to see and enjoy. Um, I think that's something that we really value at Grim & Co. And I personally really value as well. Absolutely. And I think for young people, um, particularly being able to say, I did this and point towards a physical, a physical thing mm. and go, yeah, this was, this was me. I did this, the, the look on the faces and the sense that you get a tremendous sense of satisfaction um, for the young person because they're able to go, look, I did this. And it, it was outside of school as well. Um, yeah. I know a lot of your projects tend to be, um, educational enhanced projects where you're working with the schools but it's not necessarily integrated directly into the curriculum although you do do some of that work as well so being able to go right kids this is this project in a sneaky way it's a bit educational but really what it's really about is that we're going to make you publishers <laughs> and you're going to create an amazing book and you're going to be you know writers that's brilliant it's a really interesting way of um, engaging with young people absolutely because I think when you can um, hide the education it's kind of like vegetables if you can hide some really healthy vegetables in a meal and not notice that you're eating them you know you just enjoy the meal and get all the benefits like that's kind of what we do with creative writing so we are we you know we include the things which are on the curriculum for example you know an expanded noun phrase but we don't call it an expanded noun phrase because I don't know I Maybe some people will disagree with me, but when you get to adulthood, do you really look at your writing and think, mm, I need an extra expanded noun phrase in there? But if you think, actually, that could do with a bit more description to bring that to life, I think that's the real benefit. Um, so, yeah, we work with schools and out of schools. We've got two um, separate but complementary programmes which enhance literacy in schools. Um, a lot of our methods are um, adapted by teachers and a lot of the workshops that we run, teachers will continue you know, to take ideas from us, which we really encourage um and use those with their students and I think once you can find techniques or ways of teaching or delivering 
that imbue the students with that you know sense of excitement as well as achievement then I think you're onto a real winner and you, you know the results are a lifelong I think you don't you know those experiences and that learning doesn't drift away if it's really embedded within your memory and your not to sound too cheesy but your heart because you enjoyed it so much. Absolutely and I think that's a phrase that I'm going to steal off you uh, when talking to um, educators or talking to um, officials and officialdom is that we hide the educational veg that's what we yeah. do um, <laughs> but you're absolutely right what we do is it you can teach them technique you can teach them skills but sometimes that can appear to be quite dry particularly for a young person um, because you're, you're teaching technique and technique suddenly makes it a little bit more formal and there's a little bit yeah. more kind of um it it becomes a, a formal thing whereas if you teach in the technique but in the context of creative writing where they're allowed to be actually creative with their writing and play plays a big thing you can yeah. allow them to be playful with their writing more often than not they learn the technique but they do so in a really rewarding way yeah absolutely I agree I think yeah I think play is so important and it's that is how we learn it is how every animal in on the planet learns through play um and for some bizarre reason we're encouraged not to play as we get older but I think in the in the creative world you know we we just keep that play going um and hopefully you know you get to your 30s or 40s and you're still playing and and then you can share that around. Absolutely. And now, a full disclosure for the listeners at home, um, uh, Mo Brain, Grim & Co. are actually co collaborating at the moment on a fantastic project, um, a, a travel guide project, where kids from Scotland and kids from England are kind of joining forces to create something different and new and interesting. In your own words, Katie, could you describe that project? Yeah, of course. Um, in my own words, uh, this project is taking young people from, I'm going to go right ahead and say across the United Kingdom, uh, to develop a magical, fantastical travel guide between these two places between Mutbury in Scotland and Grim and Co in England. And we are, exactly as we have just been talking about, we are giving the creative reins to the young people entirely. So we are going to find out all the different magical beings or strange goings on in places between Grim and Co and Mark Bray and we're going to put them all into a travel guide which any mortal being may buy and may use and I'd really hope that after lockdown we have a lot of people taking journeys between these two places and seeing if they can find the things which the children have pointed out. Absolutely. And um, we're about soon to be three sessions into um, our 11 
session projects so over 11 weeks but yeah we we, we one of the things i've noticed with the the work that the kids are producing and the ideas that the kids are producing is that it's incredibly creative incredibly diverse and there doesn't seem to be a clash between the work that is producing particularly in regards to place and identity between the work that's coming out from the kids from scotland or the kids from england it really is across the uk and they play off each other yeah i think that's the interesting thing about the kids and again it comes back down to play and the, and the importance of play and learning if you get a kids a bunch of kids together and you give them a framework to learn but you inject play they start running with it yeah no absolutely i completely agree so our sessions are 90 minutes long and we're finding it's just not enough time because there are so many ideas so to to even try to whittle them down is super tricky because they're all such brilliant ideas and we want to keep as many as we can and I think that is another of the really wonderful things about this project um I was a bit concerned about having a larger group and trying to make sure that we had the connections and that the young people could build those friendships together. Um, But they're all doing it naturally because I think that's what creativity gives you. It gives you a safe space to say, let's try this and let that excitement, um, you know, roll and build. So yeah, I've been really impressed to see these groups of young people, a lot of the time who've never met each other before, creating these weird and wonderful stories and stories which I never, ever would come up with by myself um, or, you know, under my own steam. So it's, yeah, it's wonderful um, that they are the creators in this, I think. Absolutely. And, and again, one of the great things about the project is that from a more brave point of view, we're seeing this project very much as a pilot, particularly in the wider context of the lockdown and the current COVID crisis, being able to engage with young people across a large area, the UK, Scotland, England, wherever, and being able to directly engage with them with a fun project over Zoom, bearing in mind that there's a lot of young people out there who were starting to become zoomed fatigued because of again a lot of the schooling is happening over zoom now so being able to get a big group of kids together and work with them has been great to see yeah absolutely and some of the feedback as well that we're having from the parents and guardians of those young people is really magical um and saying how you know, we're only, as you just said, only a couple of sessions in, we're about to do session number three tomorrow. Um, But already the kind of that injection of enthusiasm is being seen in different areas of their life. And I, I had a parent email me and say, you know, my young person is now has a writing project for school and they're so much more enthusiastic about it. And they were never enthusiastic about these projects in the past. So thank you. And I, you know, I think that's, yes, it's so, so valuable if, if you know, that 90 minutes a week has such a big impact on the rest of the week or month or year. Yeah, it's, it's really special. How have you found adapting to the current COVID uh, restrictions and working remotely and trying to engage with young people remotely over Zoom or any other uh, video conferencing? I think it's it's certainly had its ups and downs, um, but I think actually it's had more positives than negatives at first. Um, so I didn't work at Grimm when lockdown started. 
And so the, the projects I developed were with young people from Yorkshire and young people from London. And for me to bring together people from Yorkshire and people from London was ace because there's such a big divide there, I think. Um, but that was really lovely. And then starting to work for Grimm and doing this project, I think that online delivery can offer more opportunities for collaboration. And whilst it has some drawbacks, such as, you know, you can't have that physical contact, you can't be in a room. And I think one of the things that I love the most about being in a room with people is getting a massive piece of paper and loads of pens and everyone writing on that same piece of paper so that we can collate our ideas and put them on the walls. Um, and it, it does break my heart that we can't do that. But, you know, you find ways around things. Every challenge in history has produced a more creative output because it's only when we're in these situations that we really push ourselves. And so I think that's one of, you know, the positives of moving online. You've, you have to find new ways of doing things. Um, and, you know, could this project really have happened in a world where online provision didn't exist? I completely agree. I don't think it could have unless we wanted to do it via some sort of strange pen pal arrangement. Um, and that, that just sounds like too much like hard work um, yeah. and very expensive when it comes to postage. So um, we, we definitely couldn't do that. It's interesting that you say that actually I was chatting during the previous episode, the last episode, I was speaking to a storyteller and theatre maker from Yorkshire um, or he's based in Yorkshire, Steve Brennan. And uh, we were talking about the lockdown and about how it's affecting his practice as a storyteller. And he does a lot of work going into schools and working with community groups and schools, working with stimuli and creating bits of, bits of theatre. And he said that, pretty much echoed your words. He said, yeah, it's very difficult. No one's going to lie. It is really difficult to, um, to stay creative, stay upbeat during this time. However, it does force you to find ways to be creative and more often than not there's things that you do because of the restrictions you're having to find really creative workarounds to the yeah. current situation yeah absolutely and i that's that is where ideas flourish um you know if you look back through all of art history some of <laughs> i'm not saying but <laughs> but um that, you know, our, all of our art deserves to be in museums, although I'm going to say yes, why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, you it know. depends on the museum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, if you look back throughout the history of art, and I, when I say art, I mean, like, you know, the arts, like theatre, writing, uh, visual arts, it's at those times of huge social unrest or upheaval or, you know, difficulty where the most poignant or the most creative art is developed. I mean, the, the horrors of World War Two have produced, you know, some of the most memorable pieces of art and poetry which speak to you throughout the decades and I imagine throughout the centuries and whilst Covid is obviously nothing in comparison to the wars um, and war and you know other um, difficulties that people face now all over the world um, but I think for a how to phrase this, I think for a modern 
developed country this is you know one of the biggest hardships that we've had to go through in in our lifetimes certainly and I think that gives you perspective and yeah it makes you think about what we value and what's important and certainly for me it has brought home the fact just how much I love creativity and it's it's, it's ridiculous, but, you know, some of my favourite times of the week are when I'm on a Zoom with 25 young people who are talking about dragon scales as cash. And I think, yeah, this is, you know, this is what it's about. Um, so, yeah, I think that these times really make you think about what matters and, and it's the creativity that matters, isn't it, for me? Absolutely. And I, I also agree with that. There's going to be a time after the, after this blows over and COVID will blow over. And when it does, there'll be, there'll be a period of reflection because I do agree with you that just like in the 1950s where there was an explosion of the arts, that was almost like a reaction to what was happening. Therapeutic reaction, actually, to what was happening in the Second World War and insert any other war and the, the, the immediate yeah. aftermath of that. Um, we're going to see a flourishing or a rethinking of where we are as 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 a society, particularly when it comes to the arts, particularly when it comes to um, culture and heritage for that matter, because we're having to basically think and think again about what is important to us. We've all been starved of stimulation. Uh, we've all been chomping through um, online streaming services. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm on like the... 20th box set at the moment um <laughs> if there's if someone's doing an online seminar or doing an online presentation or they're doing an online thing that's available to the public a lot of people are tuning in now because people are craving mm. that sense of expression and that sense of being able to um flex their creative muscle in some way and i think afterwards maybe there's going to be a period where everyone in the art and everyone in culture and everyone everyone in, who is involved in creative learning will suddenly reflect and go hang on you know what what's really important it's this or is this or is this yeah absolutely what are your plans for the future what are the next steps um, so i think for grim and co um we are currently trying to extend our reach uh, so we have a wonderful group of young people who we regularly work with um, and who are sources of such great joy to us um, who, and they attend most of our regular workshops and we want to be able to offer those opportunities to more young people um, particularly young people who may traditionally have been excluded from attending workshops, you know, sort of because of economic barriers um, or geographical barriers. Um, so we're really trying to extend to get new young people involved in our work. Um, so one of the things that we are doing around this, um, and we had our first one yesterday, is create. we have created some digital drop-ins um, called Digital Dens. So these are weekly drop-in sessions for young people. Um, they're obviously completely for free. And we have chosen some really specific schools in Rotherham who we can advertise it to, who don't often access our work. Um, and we had our first one yesterday and it completely sold out, which was a joy. And the feedback that we've had has been really, really nice. Um, 
we were concerned that offering another digital session when young people have been online all day might be a little bit much. So we decided to change our focus a bit, make the sessions really physically active as well as imaginatively active. Um, so there's lots of, I'm sure parents will love this, there's lots of, you know, run around the house and find this object <laughs> and we're going to do this with the object. Uh, apologies to all parents, guardians and carers for that. Um, but the young people absolutely loved it. So we're hoping um, to be able to continue that. We're just doing a kind of four week trial at the minute. But if if that um, if that need, if that want is there, then hopefully we'll be able to continue those um, as, you know, something non-committal. You don't need to turn up every week. Just if you fancy a bit of a, a fun break, then you can jump onto Zoom, stay as long as you like um, and yeah, do a bit of creative writing or drama or art in the process. Um, so that's on the horizon for us. We're also looking at making a colouring book. Um, so with our school's work, we have got years and years and years and years worth of drawings. And these drawings are done by professional illustrators who listen to the characters that the children and young people make and then draw what they think that character would look like. So we have all of these characters. Um, so we're going to try to make that into a coloring book with some attached creative writing activities, which we can send to anybody, well, anybody who wants them really, but also focusing on people who, who find digital provision to be quite difficult, you know, maybe they're sharing a laptop or, a, you know, whatever device between the entire family, or maybe they don't really have as much data that they can use. So rather than them being excluded, we want to make something um, that they can use, you know, and just dip in and get all of that same joy and excitement and creativity um so yeah we're rolling out a coloring book still to be named if anybody's got any suggestions do drop us a line um and hopefully that's going to go out around half term that's brilliant and i love the way you're you're paying attention to the need for mindfulness in young people at the moment giving them a little bit of headspace yeah absolutely i think um, it's so important i think that coloring is one of those things you know kind of whatever age you are to sit down and do something which is slow mm. um do you know what i mean which you're not in a rush to do i think that's so important you're not being observed you're not being supervised you're doing it in your own time it's nice and slow yeah. it's paying a lot of attention to one particular task and i mean that's what we need at the moment is a little bit of headspace i think everyone needs a little bit of headspace sometimes so yeah. so yeah i think it's really really um really important work that you're doing in there uh, in in yorkshire thank you john that's really kind of you to say katie we've just run out of time uh thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show it's been brilliant really interesting thank you for telling us a little bit about the project as well as just general stuff about grim and co thank you that's my absolute pleasure thank you so much for having uh, me and yeah, i look forward to hearing some other people on your podcast thank you